Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith. I write the comic Kadoja in addition to reviewing horror books and horror comics on my blog, Probing the Depths. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanderers of Melisanda for The Accidental Aliens. And for those of you that are like audiophile junkies, you'll notice that we're actually in the same fucking room right now, right? Yeah. We are uh, socially distanced. We are enjoying some IPAs at the time, so the conversation is going to be like arguably the best conversation you've ever heard in your life. It's true. It's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we, it's like guaranteed or your money back, right? So yeah. we're, we're all set. All free 99. <laughs> all right back to you. You first. What have you been up to over this last uh, couple weeks? Um, so I recently completed Drawtober. Uh, so for the month of October, uh, I was working on a piece a day and... Normally, there's like a, there's something else called Inktober, and there's just like a weirdness about it right now. The creator, Jake Parker, there's some controversy of, regarding like some plagiarism uh, with this guy Alfonso's book. So I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to stay away from it. I'm not saying that he did it. Like, oh, t- tell me more about this. Okay. Inktober. Okay. Let's rewind. Yeah. So, so Inktober, it's like... This dude creates a prompt list for artists to follow along with, right? Yeah. And then so you interpret that word into however you want, and you draw a piece based on it. So he got really popular. I think he, he might have been famous before that. I'm not really sure. And so there's just a weird controversy. He ended up releasing a book called... Uh, it's something to do with Inktober, but it's like the process of drawing. Mm-hmm. And there was this other guy. Um, I forgot his name, his full name. It's Alfonso something. But he created a book where uh, Jake Parker had potentially plagiarized plagiarized a lot of his work mm-hmm. so he did jake parker did a flip through on his uh instagram and he had talked about alfonso previously and uh, about about his book he goes hey check out check out this guy's book it's really awesome um give it a look right so jake parker knew who he was mm-hmm. and so he jake ends up doing his own book and he does a flip through on his instagram and Alfonso had started following him since then, since he had mentioned him. Mm-hmm. And he goes, hey, that looks that looks like my book. And so he ended up screen recording the flip through and slowing it down. And he saw that a lot of the process order was in the exact same order as his. And all a lot of the examples looked exactly like Alfonso's. So, ouch. Yeah. You ever see the, uh, the famous Vanilla Ice interview from back in the day? Are you too young for that? No. So where like Vanilla Ice was like, see their song goes, dun 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 dun, dun 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 dun, dun. and he's like, and mine goes, dun 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 dun, dun. and he actually like points at the the extra note, right? There. The one extra note, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's one of those. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, I looked it up. His his name is Alfonso Dunn. D U N N. Okay. So anyone out there that want to look look that up, look that up. Alfonso actually did a video on YouTube. Uh, talking about this and it's pretty damning Ouch. it's it's and like there's things in comics where it's like man i came up with that I, I had that same idea you know i wonder if someone saw it online or whatever the case is right a lot of that happens and but in this case there was so many references that looked exactly the way alfonso drew it and the fact that the index was in the exact same order of the of his process it was like this is really damning this yeah. is really damning evidence yeah so there's a real stigma behind Inktober right now. And so I switched over. I was like... Because okay. uh, you're thinking Jake is just waiting for Alfonso's prompts on Oh, here's, here's another thing. 
Jake actually ended up suing some people because they uh, over Inktober. Like they had done some stuff. And here's my guess. What had happened was people followed his prompts. They printed out their Inktober pieces, but they used his Inktober logo on their book. And so I think that's what he was suing over because people are like, dude, it's just a list. You can't sue over someone else's art. You don't own this art. Yeah. So, But what he does own is that logo. So if you put his logo on something, then that's where the, you know, the, the issue arises. So anyway, I'm like, I want to do a full comic for the month of October mm -hmm. because I was thinking of using his prompt list and just creating a comic book, just having whatever he's talking about. Maybe maybe it's the main focus of the piece, but maybe it's just something in the background, mm -hmm. right? Like his prompts, it's stuff like star. So it's just like, okay, right. well, you know, like there could be a star in the background or something or like a, you know, whatever. A rock star. Right? Exactly. A, yeah, exactly. So I was just like, okay, let me... Let me try to work around it. But so this thing hit the fan. I was like, screw it. I don't want anything to do with it. And I want to be able to put the word on my book. Um, I was like, what are some alternatives? One of my buddies was saying, well, Drawtober is really popular right now. And I'm like, well, who created it? And he goes, it seems like multiple people thought of it at the same, idea, at the same time. Mm -hmm. So not one person owns the idea. And I'm like, okay, that's perfect. <clears throat> I like that way better anyway. Because I'm not necessarily ink slinging. I'm doing stuff digitally. And I'm like, okay, perfect, draw Tober. So anyway, I created my own prompt list, uh, 1 through 31, and I was just like, all right, I'm going to create this this fight scene. I've been wanting to do this. I'm like, I got these two characters that I want them to rumble for a full book. Mm -hmm. That's all I want the book to be is just one long-ass fight scene. Okay. And so I did it. Like, I knocked it out in the month of October, and it went so well that I was like, okay, I want to I want to put this into continuity, like with, with my book, The Second Ship. So um, I, what I started doing, because 31 page, like the original idea, it's going to be um, all a Sin City Silent Night, mm -hmm. where it's a full comic, all splash pages, no dialogue. Yep. Right? So I was like, cool. I hit two of the markers, the silent edition and the full splash page uh, edition, mm -hmm. all in one. I'm like, I want to do it. So after I did it, I was just like, you know what? Some of these pieces are super cool as splashes, but some of them, they're just so-so. And um, I'm like, I bet you I can create some really cool panels and uh, pages, page layouts with, with these as panels. And so I did it. I started creating, uh, shrinking the pages down, kind of adding to the sides or, or heights or whatever. Um, because when I was doing them, I laid everything out 11 by 17. So nothing was like 17 by 11. Like mm -hmm. everything was just one, one size, right? Mm -hmm. So for comics, you need different sizes. So I started cropping stuff and, and uh, adding and... Uh, adding some backgrounds and stuff like that. So uh, my plan is to do a Kickstarter for it, and it'll be a second shift, Drawtober edition, uh, and issue 11. Mm -hmm. So the ash can will be the original concept. Um, all 31 pages, silent, nothing. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'll have the issue 11, which is the fight scene, but as an actual comic with panels, color, and dialogue. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's the big plan for this. Um, and the uh, fun part, fun but weird part is, I'm on issue nine of the second shift, and um, it's a two-parter. Mm -hmm. So nine and ten, so I have to draw ten still. Mm -hmm. And I was like, crap, like, what am I going to do number-wise? I'm like, oh, I'll just hop ahead of issue. Yeah, just make it 11. Yeah, so whatever. Um, so Shit, yeah. man, if, if you... Every comic company has this stuff where, like, like DC Comics, right? Like, didn't they didn't they totally collapse everything and start everything at zero again? Yeah. 
whatever whatever dumbass promotion that was, right? All I remember is it made me hate Batman and like Swamp Thing. Somehow, yeah, it was the right? New 52. Yeah, that was Yeah, it, it was the New right? 52. And then yeah. after, what, like two years of the New 52, they're like, all right, you know, we're going back to the way it was. Uh, you know? kind, yeah, they kind of did a half effort of that. Like, yeah. It was called, oh man, I can't remember. They did something, though, after a few years. They're like, all right, this isn't completely working out. We're going to try to meet you in the middle. We're going to get you some old stuff back, but we're going to keep some of this New 52 continuity. Yes. So, yeah, there's these half measures that they do. Like, dear readers. Yeah. <laughs> While we acknowledge that our cheap marketing stunt was in fact a cheap marketing stunt, <laughs> we're ready to go back to the normal numbering of our books now. <laughs> Didn't work out. So, uh, <laughs> back to normal. My whoops. hands were on my hips for that, uh, that dear reader part, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> and everybody's done that, yeah. too. Marvel did it. Uh, Valiant, I think, was the one that first kind of broke the fourth wall because at some point they decided that every... I am so dating myself, but that every issue would be a zero, I think. And so they had like zero month or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they had zero month and yeah. that was a origin, the origin month. Kind of a cool concept. If you don't know a lot about the characters, uh, it's good to have those origin issues. Yeah. But um, uh, Image, specifically in the 90s, they actually did a hop forward to, I think it was Bloodstrike. Bloodstrike was on issue, I want to say 12 or something, 12 or 13, and they did a hop hop in time to issue 25. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, hey, we're release- releasing issue 25. It kind of gives you a peek into the future of what the story will be like in issue 25. And it was a completely different book. It was like, Bloodstrike was a team book, mm-hmm. and then issue 25 was one dude named Bloodstrike. You're like, oh, what the fuck happened? Mm-hmm. You know? So it was really interesting. So, so that would be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. Like, from a, from a writing standpoint... You know, uh, for those who who's scoring at home on when I'm going to make my first Star Wars reference, I feel like Star Wars and Metallica are just bound to be drinking games at some point for people that like you know follow this podcast. Right. But um, I I find in general that the idea of even trying to write the prequels is ambitious for Star Wars. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. we all know how it ends. So you got to give a crap about everything that leads up to it, and that's really hard. That you know is what a I mean? hard task. It's, I mean, and and like it, it succeeded in some ways, which no one will, which which no one is willing to admit, right. and it failed in some ways, which everyone is willing to, right. to com- comment. <laughs> right, on, right. I had a. I, we'll, we'll go into this at the end once once we get. <laughs> Once we go rhyming off the dome, the rhyming off the dome segment, right? We just like start calling it that. The yeah, divergent yeah. section where we just yeah. start talking about NBA, Star Wars, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, but that said, that however is fascinating. Yeah. If you flash forward to an episode twenty-five and like everybody's dead but one person, I'm like, hell yes, I'm like, in. What I the am. Hell I am so ready to like get back to ep- to number thirteen now and yeah. be like, how are we going to get there? How do we get there? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's like that, but one issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but you still get... you set the bar for a yeah. year from now. So now I know where I got to get in a year, and I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So um, it's fun. It was a super fun project. I really loved it. Um, so the fact that I was able to finish a comic book in one month was was insane to me. I was like, whoa. Granted, it was they were all splash pages, but it's like I did 31 of them. Mm-hmm. So um, even when I condensed a lot of them down to, to paneled pages, it was still 24 pages. So it was You just anticipated like, my question. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Like, when you trimmed it all down, what did it end up at? Yeah, right? just some images were so um, so well done as a splash page that I was like, this has to stay as a splash page. And there was even one where it was a single image. And I was like, 
this could be a two page splash page if I just do this, you know? And, and so there were a couple of those, but then there were some that were like, this is a good fast paced sequence where it'll look like nice continued action. And so those, I, I came up with some nice dynamic poses. Um, I've been checking out some artists that are like been really inspirational. Uh, Simone DeMaio, he does TMNT Power Rangers. That's where I discovered him. And then he is doing his own book with Al Ewing called uh, We Only Find Them When They're Dead. And so that book is super badass. And, and both I, of us have bought investment pieces of. Oh, yeah. Although I, I thought I was like dropping some ill stuff. Like, yeah, man, I bought three extra copies of number one. <laughs> and it turned out you bought like 7,000. Yeah, <laughs> I spent a ridiculous <laughs> amount and have so many different covers. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I paid, so, uh, I paid for Simon's... Uh, uh, summer home. <laughs> so. You're trying to corner the market, like trading places, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You seen that episode of The Simpsons where, like, there's a it's this rich kid in Bart's school, and he's buying. It's this baseball player that's just like a schlub, right? And he comes in every single pack of cards. It's the most common card out there. But what he's doing is he's buying everyone's cards and setting them on fire, so he will have the only card. That's so awesome. <laughs> so that's my plan. Right. I'm going to buy everyone's copy of We Only Find Them t- yeah, When yeah. They're Dead and uh, burn them all. So I'm not inviting you to my house for a podcast then. Well then. You're going to burn it down. <laughs> I, I, I will set this all on fire. It's not a great, not a great idea. <laughs> Plus I lease, right? And right. That's not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not cool. Once yeah. I own, sure. No know. insurance. Yeah, is gonna exactly. cover it's just not cool. It's just not yeah. cool. Um, I was, so, so I was going to ask this, that what, what I hope... As we go forward is that this will be a little more timely. And one of our goals is going to be to try to make our episodes timeless so we don't date ourselves. Right. right. So last episode, we clearly dated ourselves by pegging the episode recording to when the first day of NBA free agency was. Right. Right. I right. think that was how it worked or something like that. Right. Yeah. And I think we're going to we're going to end up doing this here to some extent. October is for artists. And November is for novel writers because oh, writers really? writers have their version of it. And I can't remember why it's abbreviated like it is. It's called like Nanaimo or something like that, which is write a novel in a month. Right? Oh, I th- you know what? You might have even told me about this before. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, write a novel in a month sounds like the dumbest goddamn idea I've ever heard. That's going to be a shit script. It, it's shit. Exactly. <laughs> like, I am... As I mentioned in the previous episode, I just finished my third draft of a novel. It is still not done. It's good. I think I made the analogy last time that it's like the house is there. the, The foundation is there. Everything's up. Everything looks really good. I feel good about it. I feel good about the characters. I feel good about their skeletons and about their muscles. But like, we're not there yet. Not ready you know? to not ready to paint the walls. No, yet. no, not and definitely not ready to like hang all the flare on and you know like the things that make. A, I'm looking around this house right now and it's great and there's all this cool stuff and like all of that shit comes last. Yeah, you know and and so to think about writing a novel in a month is bonkers you're basically just saying i want to write a shitty first draft in a month that's what i was gonna say i was like maybe maybe it's a too literal translation maybe it is get the bones of a novel down do your first draft do your first draft in a month you know yeah like so for those people that are um uh hard to get motivated yeah you know maybe it's for those people yeah and um it's really helpful to be honest like and for me i'm a goal-oriented person so the whole drawtober stuff i was the first three days, I hated it. Mm-hmm. I was like, "This sucks. I don't like this at all." Yeah. Like, I ha- every day I have the pressure of finishing one piece and posting it online, 
like it's a fully sculpted piece. The idea of that is, was a little nerve-wracking initially. But what I noticed was after after the third day, I was it was gravy. Because mm-hmm. those first three days, uh, three or four days, those were setup pages. Page five, that's when the rumble started. Yeah. And it was it was all fun after that. So after that, there was no problem. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to do this every year. I'm yeah. going to... I'm, I have a couple of stories already in my head for the next two years that mm-hmm. I can do. It's like, oh, I could do this character versus this character. So every October, it's going to be a fight scene. Yeah. You know, and it's gonna might might not be a fist fight. It might be using powers or whatever. But you're gonna get something every year. You're gonna get a full comic every year for me. Nice. And so, so for me, it's it's pretty rad. So other people, it might be a little more difficult for people that actually talk about doing the work and don't do the work. It's gonna be an impossible task. Yeah. But if you are a goal-oriented person and you want to put the work in, you could probably get that script done. You know, it's yeah. not going to be the best script, but at least it's it's your skeleton. You know, yeah. it's just like, yeah. oh, you, you laid the foundation, yeah. you know. So. But, I, but I get the idea that um, for artists, October is a little bit more... When you come out of, out of an October, you're going to be a little bit more fully formed than someone with a first draft that had... You know, like a first draft is very sketchy. I get the feeling that if you execute Drawtober right, you're actually going to have much more to go on than what would be the equivalent of a first draft with promise. Oh, yeah, for sure. Some of those pieces I did, they were done. Like, I was like, this is legit. This mm-hmm. is good. I like it. I don't need to do anything to it. Some of them was like, this needs a background. There needs to be something going on in the background. This needs a little bit more. I didn't have enough time to do this. Like, there's one piece... Um, I didn't put tire tread on the tire, and I was like, ah, you know, I was like, ah, I wish I would have had time to do that, but you know, I'm on a time crunch. And um, so when I had revised it to do the issue 11, I I added everything that I couldn't in that month, and it was very rewarding. It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was it was mostly there, mm-hmm. but it wasn't all the way there, and some pieces were completely there. Mm-hmm. Like there's some artists, like really, really, uh, uh, Chris Somney, he does Bat-tober every year. Where he does different Batman pieces based on his own prompt list. Mm. And it's rad. And it's like they're full on legit pieces every single time. And I'm like, these are so good. And he makes bank off of them. He just throws them on eBay afterwards. And he's making cash. So, you know, there's different ways to do it. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but that's what I was going to say too. That you've you've decided to make a slightly more ambitious goal. Because I'm buddies with a ton of artists on, on social media and in real life. And for them... Like, they can just say, like, let's say I, I, I have a bunch of good friends who are Godzilla-themed artists, right? Yeah. So they can just draw something Godzilla-themed themed on day one. And then the next thing can come out and it can be, you know, oven, right? And then they can draw, you know, King Ghidorah holding an oven, right? Or right. something like that. Yeah, and yeah. then day three, it can be love. And then I don't know what it can be, right? But like Godzilla and baby Godzilla. Exactly. Yeah. It can be anything. They are really going for standalone pieces that serve as art that might make its way to a print at some point or that they can put up for auction. Right. You're going for an actual story. Right? Yeah. And that's a little bit more ambitious, I think. Right. But I mean, they're both ambitious and God knows I could just draw the same idiot stick figure for 31 days in a row. Right. <laughs> Maybe I could do that. Right. Yeah. Like, like. Love and then just have the same identical stick figure. Right? Yeah, but then you have sweet dialogue with it, and it's just like a, a, a touching. See, that would be cool. Like you should Tony do... Morrison level, dude. Like, you, should, you should do it. You should like find the prompt list for next year and just do your writer's version of it, where you hilarious. do like sweet scenes, like love, and yeah. it's just like this really touching emotional dialogue. <laughs> I will have to try it. The problem is when it comes to like 
stuff like love, I'm awful. Right, like to to know. Well, that's the best part. Then to, you write, to know my writing is that, like, you know, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. I I'm a happy person, right? Like, yeah. I'm happily married, man. I got a great family. I'm I'm good with my lot in life. But when it comes to writing, I like stuff that is broken, right? Like, right. I don't like things that are happy at all. Like, the the more broken and the more dark, the better. So, like, love would be a really tough prompt for me to do. Right? That would be fun. That would be a fun exercise where. Essentially, the whole scene would be this broken person, and at the end of it, he goes, "But I still love you," <laughs> and that counts, you know. All right, draw draw October twenty twenty one. Right, I'm in. I'm just yeah. gonna draw the same exact shitty stuff. Yeah, and, and then just try some dialogue on top. Of yeah, it. yeah, I like yeah, it. That, that's that's great, man. That's yeah, cool. man. That's so, a- uh, last thing on it, and uh, I'll throw it over to you. I was going to do a Kickstarter for it right away, but I remembered, oh yeah, December's coming up and everyone will have, uh, you know, to buy presents and whatnot and they're going to be focused on family and traveling and this and that. So I'm saving it for January, so look out for this thing in January 2021. I'll do the Kickstarter for the month of January to February. And uh, it'll be a super small goal, you know, 300 bucks because I want to do some ash cans. Uh, I'm a kid from the 90s, so I mm-hmm. love ash cans. And uh, so I'll have those available. It'll be black and white, um, as Drawtober intended. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, have the super sweet comic. Uh, that'll fast forward you one month in the in the second shift world. So, there you go. Yeah, that's nice, it. dude. Yeah. That, that's, that's really cool, man. Yeah. What have you been working on? Uh, yeah. So I, I think last time I mentioned that I had completed the third draft of the book, and, of my novel that I'm working on, and now I'm ready to, to push that aside for a couple months get away from it. Stop thinking about it, right? And, and I'm having a very hard time not thinking about it right now. Because uh, to know me is to know that I, I listen to at least an hour of an audiobook every day. And I'm listening to horror a lot because it's what I like, right? And it's what I'm writing. So it's hard for me to just be like, don't try to take a lesson from this. Don't try to be like, oh, that might be a little interesting twist to throw a little flair. Just get away from it, right? I'm trying. I'm trying. And one of the things that I did this this past um, chunk of time, I created what would probably be the fourth version of this comic that has been on kind of a stop-start loop for a bunch of years called Three Protectors, which you and I have talked about at length. I think we may have even brought a quick mention of it in there somewhere in episode zero or episode one. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, so Three Protectors is this kung fu story that I've been working on with... So when I first started... Let me, let me try to do the timeline of Three Protectors, okay? First did a run of it with Rory Smith. Okay. And so it was in between... Technically, the timing of this was in between Kadoja Volume 1 and Kadoja Volume 2. So we're talking four to five years ago here in terms of when Three Protectors Rory pages were done. Lance Rory and I felt great about Three Protectors. We actually printed up some three protectors at oh. the same time that we presented it to 215 for publishing, right? So this this was before I was part of 215 and back when we were merely an artist on 215 and we were throwing stuff over. Never mind that relationship hasn't changed. I've mentioned that before. That even though I'm part of the, you know, if you want to call it like the, I don't know, the business team of 215, um, the books go through the same rigor. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like, and, and I don't want, I want them to go through the same rigor. Right. You, you don't want to like, feel like I have free reign. I can do whatever I, I want. Can, I, I can got, make garbage. Right. You know? I am like, part of this bitch. You'll print what I, yeah, what exactly, I put out. Yeah. Exactly. So no, the same exact standards apply. 
we had gone ahead a couple of years ago at New York Comic Con and printed up a, a special run of Three Protectors at the same time that we submitted it to 215 because we were really excited about it. And we sold some copies and we were pretty excited and, you know, good to go. And then Mike from 215 comes back and he points out what is straight up the a gaping ass plot hole, right? <laughs> uh, just like gaping. Yeah. And And the second I shared it with Lance, I was just like, fuck man he's right <laughs> you know like that's the worst the worst is the one where you know they're right right you know? yeah now it's it's could you read the original limited run three protectors and enjoy it of course you could and there's good stuff in there but what that then started was a, a so that triggered a second piece where we needed to amend the plot hole in three protectors mm-hmm. so i worked with this guy named mark nosler who is a super cool dude. He He's currently making his own stuff. I encourage people to check him out on Instagram. He, I believe he was in this heavy metal band for heavy metal obsessives out there. I believe he was a player in the, a band called Moto Grader um, for a while, which was really cool. They they kind of did like a whole makeup thing. Yeah. They really looked a lot like Urukai Warriors from Lord of the Rings. Okay. They're like all badass. Moto Grader turns out it's, it's like the name for this really weird instrument. Yeah. Right? So, um, but they're a Kiss cover band, is what you're telling me. <laughs> no, no, they're 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 just doing extreme metal, right? So, uh, so Mark had been doing his own stuff. I found Mark because we met through mutual uh, Godzilla love, right? We met kind of through Kaiju Cast fandom. Okay, and uh, so I ended up getting Mark to do like 20 pages or so that were supposed to fill in the seams. And then I sent that. So I redid it. I had this whole idea. I sent it to Mike again. And Mike's like, this this kind of made it worse. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, like Mark's style and Rory's style are quite different. Okay. So maybe that had something to do with it. So now we went to phase three. And I decided to just pull it back again. Long story short, there was a phase three. And now I went through a phase four. I think it finally works. We really pulled back a lot of the just extraneous plot nonsense. Yeah. We kept it more true to just like kind of ridiculous Shaw Brothers 70s kung fu. Okay. Right? And um, I mean, I'm happy with it. You know, it's again, it's the fourth iteration, I'm going to say. Right, right. It's taken a bunch of years, mainly because I've had, I, I have the day job. Kadoja's been the priority. And for the last greater part of three years, I've been making sure that I write two pages a day every day. Three Protectors has fallen a little bit, you know, as as a third, fourth priority get to it when I get to it. But now that I have this nice break, I was able to address it. So that is currently with the 215 editorial oh, okay. team for review. I hope it works. Yeah. And if it works, then I think we're going to mess with it digitally first and see what we can do. Okay. Because I've had, we've we as Big Pimp Jones have had a really cool soundtrack lined up for it for a long time yeah and i would love to figure out a way to deliver that to someone so for those you know you you table next to me we've tabled together forever or at the same shows people who know the kadoja thing know that it's a comic with the soundtrack right and, right and i'm proud to say that there are a bunch of people that do that we've been doing it since 2013 right and and i'm sure there's somebody out there that's been doing it since longer you know but but I, I like to think that we've been doing it for a while. And yeah, it's, a, it's a cool idea. I mean, I I was on the comic scene as a fan for years, ever since I was a kid, and I had never seen anything like that. So mm-hmm. you were the first person I, I had seen do it. So. Yeah, I mean, there are a few out there. There was a cool comic I think done through Marvel called Break the Chain, which is a one shot, 
and it was done in um, tandem with Boogie Down Productions, which was pretty cool, right? So hip-hop, you know, kind of a positive message kind of comic. And then, of course, there was Alice Cooper's Last Temptation, which was a concept album done by Alice Cooper sometime in like the 90s, I think, with a comic written by Neil Gaiman. Right, oh, so shit. it's been done, okay. right? Um, and, and I don't want to make it sound like we like invented the wheel or anything, but yeah. we we definitely use the wheel a lot in that analogy. Okay. And so Kadoja's had two story arcs, but three or four soundtracks that have gone along with it. All this stuff, so that continues with three protectors, and it'd be cool to figure out a way to deliver that experience to someone digitally before they are required to kind of buy a comic and buy a, a piece of music that goes with it. You know? Right, yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I expect that we're going to mess with it on some digital platforms once it's final. So basically, Corey, all of Corey's pages are useless. Rory's? Or are you able to... Yeah. Rory, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, are you able to salvage any of them or it's just... The yeah, toast? yeah. So so no, to get to get kind of inside baseball on it, what I did was there was a, there was a piece at the beginning that is now some of Mark's art. Okay. And then after Mark's art, we go into unbridled Rory for the entire book. And if anything, like the pages that I have there, there are probably 20 or 30 more pages out there oh, right that on. I decided just they don't fit the story in any way. Okay. So they're just going to sit there in my archives forever probably. Yeah. And, uh, and it feels like this is the best way to tell the story. The best way to do it was just to prune it. And and I like to think that there's a nice transition kind of between Mark's pages and Rory's pages. Okay. So that's going to end volume one. The intent is for there to be at least a volume two, if not a volume three. Volume two will definitely incorporate a lot of the pages that Mark did way back in the day as well. So Mark's going to have this nice kind of years out postscript to his three protectors work and that I expect it will show up in volume two at some point. And then we'll find another artist to kind of fill in the other chunk of volume two and then see where it goes. Oh, right on. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds, man, that's a journey. That's a freaking journey. It reminds me somewhat with Wanderers as well, like how you, you know, three protectors kept getting on the back burner. Wanderers was like that for years. I thought of it um, while I was working on the first story arc of the second shift back in the day. I think, I think even second shift number one has Wanderers of Melisande as the back cover Mm. and and so i had i had the idea back in 2013 and i didn't get anything to print until 2017 and it was just so happened i had started a studio with uh some people from the local convention san diego comic fest um kept gathering artists and we created the accidental aliens and so we did a, a anthology in 2017 i said hey i can finally do wanderers because because like you with Kadoja, second shift has always been my priority. You know, I created it when I was in seventh grade, you know, so it's just like, this takes priority over everything. We're going to get these books out. It's mm-hmm. going to exist. So, but uh, I was like, hey, six pages, I can do a six page short of Wanderers and let it live, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, once I did, I was like, man, this was a blast. So, so for the next, next year, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do another six pages to kind of continue the story. And then after that, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I can put those two stories together because it follows the same, you know, di- direction, and um, I can create the rest of the story and just have it go on. So I drew nine, nine more pages, and boom, I had, I had uh, issue one, hmm. and so it was kind of like it got fast tracked in that sense because it since it kept taking a back burner. But like, you know, uh, and you know, much like my Drawtober, I don't like wasted effort. Hmm. Like, 
the idea of Drawtober or Inktober, to me, it's a waste of time. Like, no offense to anyone that partakes. If you have the time to do it, then do it. But I have artist friends that, honestly, they have books to draw, but they're they're too busy dicking around with, oh, I got to do, I got to do Inktober. No, you don't. You don't have to do anything. Exactly. Nobody's making you do shit. Yeah. yeah. You think you have to do it. Why are you following this random dude's prompt list? Like, who is this guy? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he's famous. He, you know, like a lot of people know him and all that. But why are you drawing what he tells you to draw? You have a story that you need to draw and you haven't drawn it. So why don't you, for the month of October, put some work out? You yeah. Know? So, and um, it's like, you know what? I want to be part of the... I want to be part of the culture. I want to. I don't want to be a, the stick in the mud. That's like, you know, it's the editor looking over your shoulder, like, "Hey, but did you get those pages done though?" Mm-hmm. You know. And I did that for a few years with friends, and I, and I was just like, you know what? I need to stop doing it. I need to stop worrying about what other people are doing and not doing. I need to worry about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So if they want to waste their time and do that shit, they can do it. No yeah. problem. If it's profitable to them, where they can make money off of the pieces that they do, do it by all means. I'm. I don't. I don't mess with people's money. But if you're doing it because one random dude told you to do it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So it's just like, I'm a goal-oriented person, so I'm going to take these pages and make something of it. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so. Well, we've talked about this a little bit. I kind of equate accidental aliens in a way, your, your like, artist group, right, um, to a little bit of how RZA operated the Wu-Tang Clan back in the day, right? We've had this conversation. I think, have right? we? Oh, we haven't? Damn. I don't think we have. Okay, so do you know the premise of how RZA... How did you get on a record as a member of the Wu-Tang Clan? No, I don't know this. You earned it. Correct. It was that simple, right? So, like, I can't remember who the artist is, but I think the artist was Capadonna. Capadonna ended up being more of a late-stage member of the Wu-Tang Clan. And again, I I apologize to the Wu-Tang obsessives out there if I'm getting this a little bit wrong. But RZA's idea was basically for all Wu-Tang songs that you go in the... Like, I'm playing the beat right now. You're going to spit your verse. If it's good, it makes the record. That's it. If it's not good, you ain't making the record, right? So Mm -hmm. it became this cool, like, you know inter-squad boxing for the right to be on this Wu-Tang record, you know? I think it was Capadonna, but it may have been someone else, where they were complaining that, like, their verses didn't make the record, and then Riz's response was something like, they weren't good enough. You know what I mean? Like, just simple as that. So I do see this kind of equation with accident, because I I think you've had a conversation like that with me before, where, like, the date for our next anthology is X. If you make it, great. Right, and if you don't make it, then we go from there. We'll and, see you next year. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And and it's not so much maybe if your pages are bad they don't well, make it. It's it, more that I've got a slot for you. You have a deadline. If you don't make the deadline, the slot is gone. Right. Right. There was a guy the uh, in our 2017. There was a guy that was in the group, and and I'm going to be completely honest. Um, if if you listen to it, sorry, but this is how it is. He got in the group like. By asking to be in the group, it wasn't I invited him in into the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at San Diego Comic Fest, I was sitting next to one of my studio mates, uh, not at that time. Um, we had one guy in between us. And I really liked her work. And she was super cool. We have a particular sense of humor. We got dirty humor mm-hmm. and, if you, and fucked up humor. So if you can take it and, and you're a good artist, you can be in the group. Mm-hmm. You can hang out. She, her personality was really good. She didn't care about all the crazy shit I was saying. And, and I loved her work. So after Comic Fest, I said, hey, 
I don't know if you're interested, but you know, me and a couple of people, we hang out and we draw or whatever, and you seem really cool. And you know, so if you want to ever hang out and draw, you know, let me know. Like, I would love to hang out. You seem cool. She's like, yeah, that sounds good. And so we exchange information and the guy next to her was like, can I come? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, man, sure, sure. But it was one of those things. It's like, I wasn't going to ask you. So anyway, we're, we're, we hang out. He ends up showing up. So so he wasn't terrible terrible initially. Like he would come every week and he was he was all right enough. Um, our first interaction was awful. Like I was setting up my table and I had my stuff on his spot. He wasn't there. No one was there. It was just me. I was setting all my stuff up. I had my stuff spread out. And he goes, no, can you move that? And that was our first dialogue with each other. Was aggressive and to get the fuck out of his way. Right. So I was just like, Oh, yeah, man. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And I'm like, I will murder you. You know? And so I was just like, all right, whatever. So I let it go. And then the show goes on. And he's all right enough. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, he calmed down. And right. he seems, he's actually nice. He's actually nice. He was just aggressive initially. And maybe he had a bad morning or something, whatever the case is. So anyway, but uh, so we're like, we, we come together and we're like, hey, let's do this anthology thing. We can all do our own short stories. You can pick whatever topic you want to draw on. We'll do, we'll all have six pages and a cover each and we'll put an anthology and boom, you know, by this date next year, we'll put the book out. Everyone says, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Weeks go by and I just check in with everyone. Hey, how's everybody doing? You know, because we're, we're, we're meeting weekly at this, uh, this comic uh, this comic shop called Villainous Lair mm -hmm. and super rad shop they don't exist anymore but they had a giant space where you can play games and stuff but they let us take over a table just to draw and hang out mm -hmm. so every week I check in hey how's everyone doing and every week you'd be like oh working on character designs and uh, oh you know I didn't have time to get in much but I drew this new design and it was just like we were a month away and he had no pages done and he goes I'll get it done you know if they're just pencils you know then that'll have to do you know and I'm like Oh, um, no, man. I was like, that's honestly, like, that's, that's kind of, that's not what we're looking for here. It's like, everyone's going to have done, done pace, like pages, done mm -hmm. pieces, but you, like, we're all going to have completed inked, colored, like dialogue pages, and you're going to have penciled pages. I'm like, that's not what we're doing. We're, we're trying to put out real work, you know? And he goes, oh, Okay. And so he got all butt hurt, and apparently, like behind my back, he was telling people, like, "Oh, when did this turn into Scott's group, and and why are we doing what Scott says?" And and everyone else was like, "He's kind of the leader. He doesn't even say it, but honestly, we follow what he does because he's one of the few people that have done it. No one else in the group had time mm -hmm. had anything published but me, mm -hmm. you know, printed. And so it's like everyone was listening to me because I had done it before. And so this guy's like, "Well, why are we listening to him?" It's like. Why would we listen to you? You haven't done anything. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, he didn't make he didn't make the the 2017. I said, hey, if you finish for next year, we'll have it in next year's. And of course, he didn't, and he was out of the group eventually. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's how that stuff happens. But it, yeah, you're it's, right. It's it, one of those. It's one of those like invert the question. Right. You go to a comic shop, and and you worked hard for your money, and you decide I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy an indie book. I'm gonna take a chance on an indie book. And you get to some anthology with a bunch of short stories in it and it looks cool. And then you get to some of the pages and they're fucking penciled. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah. what does that say? Right. What, what does that say about the next time you might come across that issue on the stand? You know what I mean? Like, it's, mm -hmm. you just got to think bigger sometimes and yeah. just be like, okay, well, what, you know, like, would I want to buy this as a consumer? Would I be cool with a bunch of stories and then, like, some pencils that don't seem 
you know, that don't seem to kind of be as far along as they're not else. polished. It's not finished. Yeah. So yeah, to your point though, very much like the Wu Tang Clan, it was like we ain't nothing to fuck with. So you <laughs> you you better get it done. Yeah, and exactly. so he didn't get done. So he was out. You know. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up then, right? Yeah, man. So I'm on Instagram at Keith underscore Decibel for just me. And Kadoja Kaiju, that's all one word for Kadoja. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, or Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Okay, in terms of websites, uh, I review horror at probingthedepths.com. And you can find Kadoja at 215inc.com slash Kadoja. If you want to check out some Kadoja stuff, you can go to the Kadoja store on Store Envy. That'll be any search engine should take you there easily. And you can find my comics, The Second Shift, A Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day, Heroes at Night, and Wanders of Melisanda, Humans vs. Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs, at AccidentalAliens.com, as well as other Accidental Alien titles. Rock and roll, man. Till next time. All right. We'll see you guys.